0: Portions of this podcast may not be suitable for children. It's real-life stories and sometimes PG-13.
1: Daughters are like flowers. They fill the world with beauty and sometimes attract pests.
2: Author unknown. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Hear true life stories, portable insight and engaging messages, On this show, we'll think twice about life, faith, and just what could be possible when the two are combined. Broadcasting from the beautiful Great Lakes state of Pure Michigan, here's your host, Dan Henderson.
1: Hello and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for listening. Today's show is entitled a message to our daughters we have two really good testimonies from two young ladies who have been there and done that they've made their mistakes but they've also found their way our first story is from Crystalina Evert. her husband is a well-known speaker jason Evert, and they work together in a ministry called the chastity project you can find more about them at thechastityproject.com i would highly recommend listening to more of Crystalina's videos and testimonies that she has out there She's written a book, How to Find Your Soulmate Without Losing Your Soul. We'll put the link in the show notes for that too. Let's get right into our story now with Kristalina Everett.
3: What is love? Well, for me, my father left when I was two and I was surrounded by aunts and uncles and even my grandmother who was divorced. So for me, love didn't last. Love was temporary and it wasn't a forever thing. So that carried into my relationships. When I was about a sophomore in high school, I had my first serious relationship and after a while of dating, we thought we were in love and everything was great and slowly the pressure started to set into the relationship. And it came to the point where he said, well, girl, if you really love me, if you truly love me, you'd prove it to me. You'd show me just how much you love me. So I needed advice. So I went to my girlfriends and I said, well, he kind of wants to do this with me and he wants to do that. And they said, well. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Everybody's doing it. You love him, right? And I thought, well, yeah, I love him. So at the age of 15, I lost my virginity, thinking it was gonna cause this huge, great emotional bond between us, and we'd be on cloud nine, and so in love. And in all actuality, eventually, it destroyed any love we had in that relationship, and all respect was just thrown out the window. Because if I couldn't even respect my own body, how is he supposed to respect it? And after a while of dating, it seemed like he didn't want to spend time with me anymore. He was basically spending the time with my body. And when a girl is being used, she knows it. She knows it in the depths of her heart. She may deny it, she may ignore it, but she knows it and I knew it. And after a while, we were constantly fighting. He was cheating on me and we broke up and went our separate ways. Now I will never forget the day when he walked away from me for the very last time. And as he walked away from me, all I could think about was that guy's taking something with him that never belonged to him in the first place. But I can't get it back, right? What's the point? It's already gone. So there I was in the cafeteria talking with my girlfriends. And I came to this conclusion, okay, if a guy can date me for about mm, six months without sleeping with me, then he must love me. Then I'll sleep with him. And I think now six months. Six months is the price that I put on my body. If he gives me just a little bit of that time, just a little bit of that attention, that's the definition of love. And I carry this mentality all through high school. He was the first guy that I slept with, but he wasn't the last because sin took me further than I ever wanted to go or ever expected to go. Now, after a while of living this lifestyle, I got into the partying, I got into the drinking, I got into the clubbing, I got into the drugs, you name it, I was into it. And granted, at the time, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was very attractive, and I know what that's like. But I also know what it's like to wake up the next day when that party's over, when your friends are gone, and when you're there by yourself. And I remember waking up thinking, I can't believe I did that last night. I hope I don't have to see his face in the hallway at school on Monday. What if everybody finds out what we did? All of these things constantly going through my head. But the night before, my friends would always say, oh, it's all fun and games. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. But the next day, the fun and games were over. And I remember one day waking up so disgusted and overwhelmed with the feeling of worthlessness. And I thought to myself, what's not the big deal here? my body, my self-respect, my dignity, what's not the big deal here? And I wasn't happy, and I knew I wasn't happy, but I thought, well, I'm damaged goods. It's already too late. There's nothing I can do. Now, after a while of living this lifestyle, my mother had an idea of what was going on with me, and she said, well, there's, there's a chastity talk at a church this weekend, and you're going. And I said, what? I said, I am not going to a chastity talk to listen to some guy talk about sex thanks but no thanks she said well you're going if you like it or not and i said okay fine i'll sit in the back of the church for 15 minutes and then i'm out of there i have a party to go to i have friends to see i don't have time but in that 15 minutes god had changed my life because he is the god of second chances and there was this guy that got up and he talked about all of the partying, and all of the sex, all the pornography, everything that he had been into and he just laid it out. And I felt like that guy, he had grabbed my hand out of the audience and he walked through my life. Like he could see the things I was most ashamed of and hiding and I thought, well what's the difference? He's done the same exact things I've done and I just watched him. And he just had this peace and this joy and this confidence that he carried about himself that I didn't see that in my friends. I didn't see that in the places I went to and I definitely didn't see that in the guys I was dating. But he had one quality above all of them that I wanted more than anything and it's that he wasn't ashamed of himself. I sat in my seat trying to figure out one day, one day after I started living that lifestyle of just true peace and joy, not worried what I had done prior that night, prior that weekend, always worried, but never any peace. And I realized in that moment I needed to get my standards out of the gutter and raise them as high as I possibly could and start respecting my body for once and start respecting my God. Now our God is the God of second chances and He he changed my life. He turned me around and He gave me the grace to get out of that lifestyle. And I tried so many times to get out of that lifestyle on my own because I was miserable, I wasn't happy, I was disgusted with myself and it, I just needed to get out and I tried so many times and I promised myself I'm never going to do that again. And then the next weekend I was doing the same exact things. But then I realized when you asked the grace from God and I begged Him to get me out of that lifestyle, He did. And if you really want to turn your life around, if you really want to start over, you have to do it with Jesus or you're going to fall right back in to the same old habits that you had. Now, after I turned my life around, well, a lot of my friends, they thought it was some big joke, right? They were constantly making fun of me. And I went home and I told someone what was going on. The best advice they could give me was, oh, don't worry about it. Just ignore it. You're doing the right thing. Well, I tell you today. If anyone makes fun of you for living out a lifestyle of chastity, of purity, of respecting your body and you get made fun of for that, you remember it. You remember every single word they say to you. You go home. You make a book of it. You write it all down because when you stand on that altar one day in front of your husband, you tell me, where is the laughter? Where is the mockery? Who will be making fun of you then? Nobody. There will be complete silence in that church on that day. And any of those people that made fun of you would pay a million bucks to be in your shoes. And your life is so much more than what is going on right now in this moment. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. It doesn't matter. All that matters now is where you go from here.
1: For those that don't have daughters and are listening today, I quoted Kristalina's husband, Jason Evert, in episode 7 of the Think Twice TV podcast. It deals with another issue that a lot of young men are plagued with, is the issue of pornography. Uh, In episode 7, we cover that issue extensively and how to stay away from that, also how to be delivered from that bondage. Our next story is from Megan. Megan tells a similar story about getting wrapped up with the wrong guy uh, and then getting roped into the drug scene and how God pulled her away from that.
4: I actually had a boyfriend that was in um, the high school group with me. And I started to notice like weird behavior, but I don't know. I just didn't understand anything about the drug world and he was using and I ended up finding out. And I think that, you know, I was being deceived and thinking that I loved him, first of all. And I was interested in why he was using and why he would choose this over me or, you know, he stopped wanting to go to church. And I'm not blaming anything I did on him because I made all my own decisions, you know, but that was kind of like the doorway um, to where I, the first time I used a heavy drug. I surrounded myself with people that were already worse than me, so I justified it in my head thinking that I wasn't as bad until um, really like addiction really got me and then I was worse than them and I couldn't stop. And over the years, it was like a, I would try to get better, but I'd try to do it on my own strength and um, I'd always end up going back and every time I did, it was seven times worse. I mean, it was 14 years. That's half my life. I've I've struggled with an addiction, and um, I really I couldn't see that God would have ever really had a purpose in me. So the enemy really had me with like covering me in shame. My low point was um, in November and December of 2012, and uh, my addiction had totally taken over me. And just pretty much ravaged my mind and my body, and. I had no hope anymore, like I just thought, this is who I'm going to be. And I remember um, being in jail, I just remember um, praying in my kind of clouded state of mind and just, you know, saying, just God, just do something with me, because I don't even, I didn't even know what to ask for, because I just felt so distant from Him. and. I needed Him to do something, and He did. January 9, 2013, I, I went into Teen Challenge, and that's a ministry that God used to save my life because I was so extreme that I needed something like a year of just God loving on me and really showing me who I was in Him and um, that He had a purpose for me. and. Um, I just celebrated a year clean for the first time since I started using drugs, and God really put a purpose in my heart. And it's amazing, because Pastor Mike was my high school pastor, and, um, and he really spoke a lot in my life, and now being able to be in student ministries, and I'm grateful for everything I went through, because I truly know what it's like to be broken, and that's where my heart's at in ministry. So I can relate to people in a different way than if I never took that path. I always thought I wasn't good enough when I was in high school, and but God really used that to um, plant seeds in my heart, and it took a long time for them to start to flourish. But like I'm definitely seeing them now, and um, God just keeps opening up doors for me, and um, I know that 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 calling He still has, you know, and He's showing me now as a woman of God where He wants to take me, and and I'm just I'm really in love with Him, and I'm really really grateful.
2: You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Find original videos, true life stories, and content to help you grow your faith at thinktwicetv.com.
0: It's time for a bottle of Bill's Wisdom. A short, single-serving message of wisdom from our friend, Pastor Bill Leach. My question today is how do we impact our children and grandchildren that were their heroes. Marilyn and I, I certainly will speak for myself, as I said a moment ago, made our share of mistakes. My kids, anytime they want, can go to the counselor and lay on the couch and talk about their dad, and I'll take responsibility for it all. I'm I'm responsible. But Marilyn and I had some goals as we endeavored to point our children to Jesus and impact a loving respect for God that would permeate every aspect of their personalities and lives. We made a conscious decision to make our home as happy as possible. Some homes give their children no other option but to get away from there as soon as possible because they add so much baggage. Some parents come across like state troopers. You know, I can be... Safely under the speed limit. If I see the car, I immediately go to hit my brakes. You know, there's this, there's this sense. The weight of the family. They weight their family down. I hope you listen carefully to what I'm about to say because I believe it is true and that is children and adults are built by God for fun and faith. Did you hear it? Fun and faith, they're not inconsistent. They're not strangers. It's at the very center of the nature of God. God we know is one being, eternally residing as three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. These three persons are totally committed to the others. Each of them loves honors, serves, and defers to the others. And when you love someone, your life revolves around them. Each member of the Trinity is circling the others. It's been called the dance of God. When you love someone and your life revolves around them, you are happy. One of the character traits that stand out most describing God is that God is love, but it's a love that has joy in it. The fruit of the Spirit, the, the character of God, the personality of Jesus that God wants to imprint on our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. If we have those things, we don't have to worry about rules because... We'll follow follow the right things automatically. But notice that Scripture does not say the fruits of the Spirit are. It's not not a plethora. It's not going down saying I'll have this and this, but not that. No, it's one fruit, sort of like an orange. You know, you peel away the, 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 the outside and you have these sections, but it's one orange. The fruit of the Spirit is love. But it's love that's distinguished by joy. It's love, joy. God Loves loving us. God enjoys loving us. God takes pleasure in loving us. God delights in loving us. When one of his children come home, he cries out to the angels, hey, gather around, look, look what's happening. Come and rejoice with me. God takes pleasure. He loves loving us. And the members Of the Godhead, the community that we call God, are infinitely happy because they have an other orientation about them. And that is precisely the kind of atmosphere God wants in our family. It was our job to make our home as happy as possible. There is nothing we can do that will make our father, God, love us more, and there is nothing we can do that will cause him to love us less. That should be true of our family. Parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts provide children with a heritage that says they're part of a great family that thinks that they are the cat's meow, and nothing, nothing, nothing will ever change that. We continually told our kids that they were gifts from God with unique talents. We told them they could achieve anything God put in their hearts. You know, it's a misnomer that we can be all that we want to be. You know, I grew up in the inner city playing basketball. I so would have loved to have played in the NBA. But you can't learn how to be tall. You know, you can't learn how to make your arms longer. And you can't learn, nobody can teach you how to be fast. No, they can't do anything they choose, but they can do anything God calls them to do or to be. My dad, when I was little, was a schoolteacher. He had experienced a very difficult background. His mother had known many men. My dad grew up not sure who his father was, and when I was, I don't know, somewhere between 8 and 10 years old or so, my dad suffered a nervous breakdown and went to the state mental hospital in New York. My dad was diagnosed schizophrenic paranoid, and he... Never came home to live with us. Again, my dad was violent. He was a crazy man. Left my mother to struggle to raise three small children. My brothers are six and seven years younger than I am. My mother needing to work and knowing she couldn't work outside the home because of my dad being around and needing to protect us from him and we did need to be protected from him. My mom opened a daycare center and welcomed the door home 12 to 15 kids, Monday through Friday from six in the morning till six at night. There were a lot of nights my mom dropped into bed, exhausted from the workload, coupled with the stress of her circumstances. There were many nights I remember being awakened in the middle of the night with my mother sobbing and crying in her sleep. I remember running into the room and trying to wake her up, but I couldn't because she was so tired, but she's crying as she's sleeping. I can't begin to tell you the fear of a little boy with two babies in the house and a crazy dad out there, and your mother's crying and you can't wake her up. About the time my dad left home, there was a single Christian lady who taught school with my dad, and she came alongside my mom, and she was helping her all the time and helping us. And my mom began asking her, Irene, you're doing so much for us. What can I do for you? And she was a smart lady, and she would say, Zelda, I'm not going to tell you because because I know you're not going to want to do it. Well, that made my mom even more, more determined than ever. And she kept saying, no, Irene, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Tell me what you, I want to do something for you. And so finally she said, well, Zelda, I'll tell you, I want you to go to church with me. Well, my mother didn't want to do it, but, <laughs> but there was, she was had, there was no choice. And, and she went to that little Assemblies of God church and found Jesus baptized in the Holy Spirit. We were poor. We were from the, we were from the wrong neighborhood. I'm sure my brothers and I were pretty wild. Those dear people wanted to say to us, come back next week if you have to. You know, they say that to us every week. And... But they loved us. And they put up with us. And I recall sitting in church watching my mother worship. And I can see it as if it were yesterday. I can see her with her hands raised and tears streaming down her face as she sang, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. There was a glow about her. And I remember sitting there watching her as a little boy, and I remember consciously thinking this, Jesus is, my mother loves Jesus. This isn't some game she's playing. This is real to her. Jesus is making a difference in my mother's life. And I can tell you that that image of my mother worshiping Jesus made an indelible imprint on my life. And again, that church was faithful and they loved us. And what can I say about the grace and the mercy and the manifold wisdom of God? He drew us to Jesus. And my brothers and I and our kids and our grandkids are all serving the Lord Jesus Christ in Assemblies of God, ministries and churches. May I say to you, Sunday school teacher, children's worker, Your ministry is important may i say to you i don't know what stresses i don't know what stresses you're facing i don't know what the pressures are in your family i don't know what struggles your children may be experiencing right now but can i encourage you with a message that i know is from god and that is he's faithful he's reliable he's dependable. we can count on him and he loves us and he loves our kids and we can trust him to take the most valuable treasures our precious cargo our sons and daughters our grandsons and granddaughters and he will work in them and he will keep them and he'll protect them and he will meet their needs baby dedication is more than a cute ceremony it is an important act of faith and god honors faith lord i pray pray for families I pray for pray especially for fathers today help us Lord we need your help we don't have the wisdom we don't have the strength we can't do it in our own our own ability but you provide where we lack help us today
1: Hey, thanks so much for listening today. The song at the end of that testimony is entitled There's Nothing Like Your Love by Brad and Rebecca. Brad and Rebecca are a husband and wife music team. You can find them at Rebecca music.com. The next episode of the Think Twice TV podcast is entitled Eastern Promises: Leaving Islam, a life and death struggle to reach the truth.
2: This venture is sponsored by Media Messengers Evangelistic Association. Revealing the love and power of God through media, www.mediamessengers.org. If you like the show, follow us on social media, and please help us reach more people. All our social links are in the show notes.